Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you sit down with Ash Boo Schultz and Jay the Human Kebab Parsons of USS, you end up having a conversation like this. You're not really sure how you arrived at this place, but uh, there you are. Now that I reflect back, um, it was like half music, half, like I would have um, like 10 plants on stage with me, which I called the chlorophyll harmonic. And I'd have put set microphones up in front of them. And... Um, <laughs> I, there'd be like plant solos and stuff and i'm sorry I I, I I i don't mean to laugh but i mean this is just so unique <laughs> no so and then it was just like i just i i was i was just so interested in the whole idea of of neuroplasticity and the whole idea of 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 rewind like just disrupting you know disrupting the brain and so it's like i would have a a stereo with a cassette of like how to heal your inner child and then on this one i'd have um uh like you're just another victim by helmet and house of pain from the judgment night soundtrack and i'd hit play on both of them and just sit down on the stage and then just hold them beside my head and just look at everybody in the eye in the crowd and just let it be uncomfortable oh yeah there's more of that coming up this is part two of uss in their own words This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. Hi, I'm Alan Cross, and I hope you're ready for an interesting interview with Ash and Jay from USS. This is another one of those occasional in-their-own-words profiles where I just let the artists tell their stories in whatever fashion they choose. And if you listen to part one, and as you heard in the opening, this talk with USS is in no way, any way, ordinary. So, um, just open your mind, sit back, and take it all in. USS from their first full-length album, Questimation, which was released on March 9th, 2009. Okay, let's get back to Jay and Ash. This is where coming from theater, coming from music from that angle, um, that's that's just what I always wanted to do. Um, was, And it's funny because when I was reflecting on 
on how our music came to be, it's because Jay and I were just always make like making each other laugh with like these like lucid abstract correlations that would just I we just start singing them, and um, so kind of putting those two together, you know when when we started touring when we started playing shows we we brought that from my from my performance. Uh, earlier that abstract performance life and that was like a big part of of what we did because sometimes the titles that you use seem like well they're, they're not they're weird combinations of words uh, neurochemical gas no neurochemical warfare gas masquerade I mean those aren't four words that you put together all that often are they is is that where these these sort of word jams come from yeah that's that's exactly um yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, the thing that's so incredibly fascinating that I always found to be fun was to just put word put words together that have never, you know, sat never like sat on the bus beside each other in like the history of language. I before I forget, where did human kebab come from? So when I was at university in first year, <clears throat> and I took this class called History One Twenty at the end of the year for my thesis paper. Um, I decided to write about Vlad Dracul, also known as Vlad the Impaler from Transylvania and Romania, 15th century. And he was a brutal tyrant. And he would punish his enemies um, by raising and burning down villages and then impaling their heads on stakes outside of his castle to intimidate, to scare um, any potential uh, foe. And... uh, I thought it would. I thought it was funny because to me it was like a human kebab scenario, and <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, so a guy that may have been the prototype for Dracula, uh, because he put people's heads on pikes, which resembles a kebab. Okay, I you listen. You creativity comes from the strangest places, but fine. So. Uh, well, at Trent University, um, when I started to do DJ gigs and I joined bands, um, a local promoter asked me if I would open a rap show at the Trashoteria in Peterborough, Ontario. And um, he said, what do you want your handle to be? And I was like, maybe I should be a human kebab. And he's like, that's funny. It'll look good on a poster. And the rest is history. <laughs> okay. Three Purple Butterflies, a single from the 2009 USS album Questimation. Here's more from Ash and Jay. So let's move to um, the approved EP. So this is uh, 2011. You've had two EP, uh, one EP with Welding the Sea Drive, then Questimation, and then you move back to a, I guess, a, well, a long EP, a short album. What can you tell me about the approved record? Well, we, after... Um when we when we when we played Edgefest, uh, there was uh, s- uh, someone from the publishing company Sony ATV uh, was was at that show, and they had us in immediately, uh, and they saw some they saw the spark, and they had an idea to put us with. Um, they said, "Guys, we love what you're doing, but we notice a pattern here." 
we've listened to your first two albums and and there really isn't a, a chorus in any of these songs and we've never heard of this before how a, a band has been successful at radio without really having a song that really has a chorus in it and so they wound up connecting us with uh, and again you talk about like life-changing meetings we met uh, a producer songwriter named tog salter um and at the time he he was working with like josh groban and he's working with lights and um they sent us down to he lives down by lake erie so they sent us down into the woods and at the time i had always been in control of everything like i i called all the shots and we drew, we turned down his driveway and i burst into tears his, his i was hysterical we had to turn around and leave and almost didn't come back because because i didn't realize that i needed to be in control of everything i needed it to be perfect you start to learn a lot about yourself in situations like that. You go, oh my... And then all of a sudden, I, you just you go boom, 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 boom. You get right to the heart of it and you just go, oh my goodness. I'm like, I don't trust anybody else to do anything because if other people do something, it might not be perfect. And the reason why it has to be perfect is because I wasn't perfect when I was a kid and that's why my dad left. Boom, 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 boom. I figured that out in a day. Then we went back the next day and the first song we wrote was called NAOK. So you were a control freak absolutely and you had a hard time i'd never collaborated ever and so here's the point even, alan even with even with jay i was still i just brought the song and i made the, you know i brought the beats in and that was the but that's what this is what changed this was the shift here's the level you can get to on your own when you try to balance all the trays and clear every table in the restaurant and cook all the food and run the bar and park the cars um, on that third album, we left, you know, Jay's on the phone with my mom. Like, I don't know, we might need to take him to the hospital. Like it, sh ish got real, <laughs> <laughs> but the moral of the story is, is those are the moments when it's like, okay, no, um, this is the most uncomfortable, scariest thing I'm ever going to have done. And we went back and that's the, the first thing Tog said is, why are you afraid to go big? He goes, who was your favorite band growing up? And I said, Nirvana. He goes, I've heard your songs. He's like, why won't you go there? And anyways, that turned into some deep psychology, Alan. That I learned a lot. That, that learned helplessness, that scared little boy. Tog Salter like extracted like a friggin singer singer songwriter shaman like extracted this big voice out of me now, and, and that album we had we did NAOK -okay, we did our song Demini and we did our song Yoelo Hooray and our whole band went to another level USS with NAOK -okay from the approved EP, a record born out of a lot of angst and fear and growth and acceptance. Let's pick up on that. This kind of thing would have torn 
a lot of bands apart. What kept you guys together? I think it's just the success we were having and just that we knew that every moment was precious. And I mean, we were a touring act, um, regaining new fans every time we put out a new song. And uh, we were living the dream that we always dreamt and wanted to. Um, and I mean, in all bands and all, and let's just, let's just call it a business. Um, there's trials and tribulations. And I mean, in music, it's no different. I mean, if you can get past the ego and taking things personally and, you know, at times there's like selfishness and all that. Um, I mean, you're, you're a better person for it. Okay. This is extraordinarily mature for a lot of people. Well, I think like one thing we've discovered in, in, in entertainment, let alone music is that. A lot of people get into it because they have uh, the talent, the skills, the know-how, um, but they can't get past themselves. And, uh, you know, that's further to Ash's point about our record approved is that, you know, not only was he shedding this old layer of himself where he was, you know, giving or he was letting go and he was letting uh, Tog Salter and myself into the creative process. But for me, it was like, empowering to realize that like you know i had you know skills and and i had my own talents that i could bring to the table and i mean that's how ash and i got together like when he sang me cloud boy which was our first song off our album questimation like acapella in my parents basement i was like this guy's like the second coming of like kurt cobain in canada now the cloud boy And then, like, you know, he played me this this little demo on a cassette tape, a song that would become anti-Venom. And it was like, you know, the potential was, I don't know, it's weird. Like, we formed a band, but I also felt like I was A&Ring him. And for for listeners, that's artists and repertoire. That's that's the traditional role of a record label guy. But I'm actually in the band with the, you know, one of the most creative people I've ever met. But then simultaneously, then I became creative. Because I was learning from Ash, but then all of the DJ stuff, all the music I'd been listening to, all the melodies and and you know like lyric ideas and all that stuff, that was just from all of my years of growing up on '80s pop music, '90s hip hop. When we come back, we'll get into the creative process within USS. Don't go anywhere. This is part two of USS in their own words, which gives Ash and Jay from the band a chance to tell their story as they want to tell it. Let's continue by getting into their creative processes. So let's talk about, briefly, the collaboration process when it comes to writing a song now. Uh, so Ash comes in with all the ideas and, well, it's, and it's the actually, lyrics. How does it work? It's actually, uh, it's actually completely different now. If we had to talk to you four months ago, I would have had a different answer. But uh, I can, if I gave you the current answer, since that moment at, in, in Fort Erie in 2011, uh, since that shell and that armor was cracked, which made for a very fragmented creative experience um, that was almost just like, if you could imagine having 10,000 puzzle pieces, but they belong to like 700 different puzzles and you have to sort through them and piece them and put them all together. Um, that's what it used to be. That's what the process used to be like, getting, um, transmitting puzzle pieces at a time. Um, in the movie Amadeus, which is one of my favorite movies, Salieri says when he was looking at Mozart's work, he said, there's no eraser marks, there's no corrections. It's almost like he's taking dictation. Um, within the polarities, the expansions, the contractions, these evolutions of being since I've met Jay, who's one of the most patient, just, just be who you are 
I'm not going to judge you if you if it's good or bad, you know, um, going from year long drug binges to living in monasteries and back and forth and back and forth, not glorifying it, but only to say, Alan, that we've arrived at a point where enough of these layers, enough of the uh, rust gunk goop has been uh, polished from the antenna to allow this absolute receptivity that is allowing for these experiences with creativity that are all very similar to what Salieri was describing with Mozart, where it's it's almost like a just a direct download of of information. You've learned to channel completely. And where are the messages coming from? Where's the music coming from? Well, say for example, we were just in Nashville, and I went uh, to a bird sanctuary uh, really early in the morning, and I went for a hike, and uh, I wound up. Um, sitting in the middle of the woods and I was just crying because it was the most beautiful moment that I'd ever had in my life and a couple walked by and I stopped them and I said can I tell you something and they said yeah are you they said are you okay and I said yeah I said I think this is I'm having the, the most beautiful moment of my entire life and I wanted to share it with somebody and Whatever happened between us in that moment, um, it was funny because I was an hour late for, for, for this for this for this writing thing that we were doing with these dudes. But I basically walked in, Alan, and I sat down and I go, I'm like, guys, I'm sorry I'm late, but I just met this couple in the woods and we just talked for three hours. And I sat, I sat sitting on this bench. I told them the story and I go. I go, the guy just says to me, he goes, you are the book. You are the author. Every moment, you are life. And I just sang our conversation. I sang our almost our whole conversation, like this, the, the, our next single that's coming out is this song that is this conversation that from the serendip- serendipitous meeting in the woods in Nashville, Tennessee. All right. So you've you've plugged in now. Yeah. And now you're more receptive to the messages that seem to be out there. I wish I could do that. I really do because I look at songwriters and I go, I have no idea what you're hearing and how you hear it and how you manage to express it. So I'm always fascinated to know how somebody reaches out and grabs that melody, grabs that song, grabs that those words and is able to articulate them for the rest of us morons to hear. Well, I heard this amazing analogy and I think it applies to this. It said, how do you know when to use your intuition and how do you know when to use logic? And it, how it works is that you, um, when you use logic, you deduct things, you gather information, and then that informs your intuition. So it almost like uploads those uh, capabilities. So in the way that if you're just paying attention to what's going on and you're picking things up, um, it will kind of just... Yeah, the puzzle will just... Boom, 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 boom. Everything will fall into place. Yeah.
yin-yang from USS. Now let's talk about some bacteria. You heard me. Let's move on to the, the Advanced Basics album. Is this, I guess this is another long EP or short album, right? Yeah. So this is 2011. Uh, am I right? No, 2014. Sorry, we, we've skipped a couple of years. And there were two versions of this record. Why? Two versions. Yeah, there's the there's the uh, the regular version that we got, and then there's an international. Oh, okay, one. yeah. So uh, in 2012, um, Ash and I had just returned from touring Europe for the first time, opening for Walk Off the Earth, and um, we went to see Togs uh, Salter once again. And uh, in all the years I don't Ash. Um, he had this part of a song called Pastorella Pestis. That's the bacteria that was responsible for the Black Plague. <laughs> of course it was. Of course we'll turn this into a song. Sure. <laughs> but that's what I'm talking about, though, Alan, yeah. is, is you, you know what I mean? You being receptive to that type of information, and then somebody asks you what depression is like, and it's like Pastorella Pestis. Okay, uh, hold on. We need some context. So here's that demo of the song, Pastorella Pestis. Sounds kind of familiar. Let's continue. That went over a little drum and bass beat and the part I could never get out of my head. Like, it was a brilliant part. And um, we'd always been trying to sell our producer Togs on it uh, to put into a song. So then, November 2012, here in Toronto, he finally took the bait and said, okay, let's do something with this. But then Ash also had this other part from way earlier that he'd never shown me before. And then we used that as the verse, and that song became This Is The Best. So yeah, we it, were so excited about that song uh, because it was two parts that were already out there. They finally went together. We had the music for it, all that. We showed it to our whole team. Everyone was like, yeah, we're in. Let's do it. Put that song out. That song went so far, like even further. Like now, you know, rock stations are paying attention to us. New fans are coming into the fold. Detroit, now we've got a fan base in Michigan. Like Western New York is... That was also when Imagine Dragons, when Radioactive had kicked off. So it was almost like we had a similar experience with 21 Pilots where you can go back to our first EP from Welding the Sea Drive and you can hear what 21 Pilots is doing in the last couple of years. Yeah, you know what? You guys, now that you mention it, have always been a couple of years ahead of the curve. So, but it's so amazing and brilliant that, um, uh, you know, when it, 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 we didn't take it as a, a spite or anything like that. It was just like a lane opens up and it's like, awesome. Like, cool. We're, let's, let's do this. Now, the interesting, amazing thing about this is the best. <laughs> well, and it's all like Ash and I are both like huge dubstep fans. And so that made it into the production of it. And, you know, with radioactive Imagine Dragons at the time, you know, simultaneously happening, that lane did open. And so that song got us all this momentum. And then we knew that we had to provide a record. Well, what was amazing, Alan, is, is that when we wrote uh, and recorded This Is The Best, it was right at the end of like an eight-month bender that I was on. And um, I was on like every alphabet drug when we were in the studio. And um, we recorded the song and just put it out. 
then we had to make an album. And of course, as every junkie has a setting sun, thank you, Neil Young, uh, the party ended in November, December, and I was lights out for a while. And of course, we needed to finish an album. And I was at like... 1% 1% power and didn't get to the outlet in <laughs> For time. all of 2013. <laughs> <laughs> and suffice to say that the rest of Advanced Basics, which again, Advanced Basics is about that, just the title of that song is like a very wonderful life philosophy, which is the simplest things are the hardest, are the hardest things. And it was really, it, it was one foot in front of the other. So our song Shipwreck, which is one of the most important songs um, to our band, uh, came out of that album, came out of facing again another round of like, you know, the PhD dissertation with the demons. <laughs> but you pulled out of that. And, yeah. And the EP did fine. Yeah. It did great. Yeah. With Nepal, our song Nepal came out of that one. And um, yeah, Yin Yang came at the very end. So again, that was like another point, like pulling into the driveway with the control where that, that technically should have been the end of that. I actually was, I could not believe that Jay stuck around. You, you are the, you have the patience of a saint. But I mean, it's music. It's exciting. There's fans. Like there's people that want you to come and stand on stage and act like you did when you're in your parents' basement. I am a lucky, I'm, I'm, I've like won the lottery of life, like meeting him because... Uh, there really isn't anyone. I don't know if there's another human that could have tolerated everything that's 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 gone on. Well, I woke up on a Monday. I've been feeling pretty wired. I've been wide awake since Wednesday. I was feeling so inspired by the state of my execution. This is the best from USS. We have one more segment with Ash Schultz and Jay the Human Kebab from USS. This has got to be one of the most honest interviews I've ever done, and we'll pick it up with Ash coming out of a bad, bad bender. So you pull out of that one. Yeah. And then another period of touring and writing, and then we end up with New World Alphabet, which, uh, what do we call that? We call that a... <laughs> long EP. We like the seven. We like seven. Seven's, yeah. a, seven's a good number for us. <laughs> So, okay. And and this is where we have songs like Work Shoes, which obviously that one harkens back to your days in the factory. That one obviously must harken back to your days in the oil field. And uh, Well, that was Alan. We went to California for the first time. We decided that we wanted uh we needed to shake up we needed to shake up the process and we wanted to be in the desert, in the mountains, by the ocean. We wanted to, uh, it's very funny about that album. If you listen to it, you can hear the four songs we wrote in California and then it gets really dark at song five because <laughs> we come back to Canada in the winter time. <laughs> so we go with work shoes. Who's with me? Domino, California medication. Yep. And then alien, us, <laughs> broken smile, Vulcan. Vulcan. <laughs> Okay, I'm never going to listen to that record in the same way again. <laughs> but good point. And again, another album that does extremely well for you. Yeah, yeah. we uh, Who's With Me was uh, an exciting song. We wrote it with um, a guy that was in One Republic. And uh, when I we he lived in John Mayer's old mansion. So we were, what was the area called? The Calabasas. Calabasas. So it's this 
gated, enormous well, community. That's where Will Smith lives. That's where Justin Bieber lives. That's where Travis Barker lives. Yeah. yeah so we're, we're, we roll in and um, um, I had, there, there was some guys I, st- uh, some guys I started bowling with because I decided that Bowl. when I stopped doing drugs. Ash, bowling? Yeah, check this out though, Alan. When I stopped doing drugs, I couldn't, I didn't know what human beings did. I didn't understand because I didn't have any hobbies. It was, I just did music and drugs. And so I was like, what do you do? Like, what do you, what do people do? And so I was like, bowling. (laughs) (laughs) So I just called up some buddies. I called up some friends and we started going bowling every Tuesday night, $8 and 88 cents world bowl. And there was one friend that he used to, every time if someone started getting hot on the lane, he'd start going, something's happening here. <laughs> and so we walk in and, uh, of course we're in this, you know, 20,000 square foot mansion. This, that, okay. This and is in California. In okay. California, in John Mayer's old mansion. And I, I just kind of haphazardly say that to Jay. I'm like something's happening here, and then of course you know that's just all it takes. That's the that's the that's the only spark that it takes, and the lane opens. And before I know it, I'm I'm leaning. I got my back against a kick drum, and I'm I'm just getting out what's coming through. And um, the guy who who runs the studio walks in, and he said uh, he goes, "Oh, that's the um, that's the drum set for that they recorded Dark Side of the Moon on." <laughs> And I'm just, I'm just like lying on it. Like it's like my, you know, my grandparents futon in their like rec room in the basement. Right. Channeling whatever McMason played on that thing. Wow. That was a cool moment. But yeah, something was definitely happening there. Uh, one song that has continually, continuously driven me crazy since I heard it for the first time is, is Who's With Me. That uh, part of that chorus uh, it, no, there it is. It's going through my head right now. Now I can't concentrate on talking to you guys because that's one of the most earwormy songs that I've heard in the last 10 years. You know, the who's with me with me, that part. I mean, I'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking, God damn it. <laughs> and it's your, your fault. Well, isn't it a, an incredible, exper- uh, incredible, beautiful experiment, Alan, when you can take the same person, uh, which is what developmental psychology is all about. You can take the same person who who hysterically had to leave the idea of working with another person on a song in 2011, and then you can fast forward to 2017, and now you're singing "Who's with Me," and I'm 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 overjoyed to say that this public experiment has been successful because I just stopped wearing a hat and sunglasses on stage because I would have my eyes closed the whole time. Really? Yeah. Why? Uh, just completely incapable of connection with other humans. I never noticed that. You couldn't tell by watching you guys. Huh. That's part of the trick. Some final words from Ash and Jay of USS. One final thing before we wrap up. Um, you had a side project. You and I talked about it briefly. Mm. What is that side project? So, uh, actually, when Jay first saw me play, I had started a band called Mensa Dropout. And he walked into the basement of the Drake Hotel, and he saw me playing with this band. And um, I 
decided last year that I needed to bring that band back to life that that I wanted to rock. It is a rock band. It is, yeah. It's a it's a very grungy, uh, garagey rock band. Who's in it with you? Uh, I play in that band with. Um, there is a uh, the bass player is in a band called the Primitive Evolution from Toronto. Her name's Steph. Yeah, I know them. Steph Secchi. Uh, and the uh, drummer is in, he's now with Walk Off the Earth actually he's now playing his name is Tokyo Spears um, he was in a band called the Cardboard Crowns based out of Ottawa and um, so look out world <laughs> and Jay Jay's turned into a radio guy yes so explain your radio career so in uh, 2012 when uh, USS went to Mexico um, with Sonic in Edmonton, um, Al Ford, who was at that station, asked me to do a radio show out west from Toronto. And so for an hour every weekend, I would do uh, remixes from all over the rock world. And it was like a modern electronic take on what was happening in alt rock. Fast forward to 2017, um, 102.1 The Edge uh, came on board and uh, gave me the Mill Street mixtape. And that's on Saturday nights, and it's been one of the greatest experiences of my life outside of USS. Uh, to be on the station that gave our band a shot that I grew up listening to, Ash and I both, and uh, to be able to DJ and to be able to find all these tunes and do the things that all these other DJs that have inspired me over the years have done, um, it's amazing. I wish you guys all the best. There, well, did I that? Did I just quote a song there? <laughs> Almost. Thank you guys for taking the time to do it. Thank you very much. Alan, it's been a pleasure. Let's end with a sample of Ash's band, Menta Dropout. This is a demo of a song called Rejection. So nice We'll be a little wise advice Been talking to my socks too much Now I'm homesick and tired And that brings us to the end of another In Their Own Words episode of The Ongoing History of New Music. We'll do this again as soon as I can get the principles of some band in the same place for a couple of hours. Thanks to Ash and Jay of USS for being part of this. Thanks to Liam, their manager, for herding the cats into the studio. Thanks to the management dudes at Coalition Management for their help, too. And thanks to Travis for engineering the interview session. If you want these shows for your collection, we have the podcast. They're all free, of course. And you can find dozens and dozens of them at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your on-demand audio. Rate, review, and remember to subscribe. We're posting new episodes every single week. If you want more music information, there's my website, which is a ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated every day with uh, something. And it comes with a free daily newsletter that keeps you abreast of all the cool things happening in music. You should get it, really. And we can also talk via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google+. All email could go to alan at alancross.ca. Technical production for all this is by Rob Johnston. Talk to you next time. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 